up, sports fans? Welcome back to Couchside Sports. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. We just saw a huge, biggest game of the NFL season go down, the Super Bowl. We're going to get to that. We got a couple big trades to discuss. Breaking news isn't news, as always. But you guys know what the deal is. Couchside Sports, bringing you our perspectives on sports from our couches. Mm-hmm. As it should be. And today is February 6th. Yes, two days after the big game, Eagles defeated the New England Patriots 41-33. Give me your best guess. Is the city of Philly alive and breathing this morning? Um, I'm going to say probably not. Probably not? That's, uh, that sounds about right. You know, one of the grossest things I saw was on Twitter, I saw, you know, everybody's out there in the streets riding, celebrating, and one of the grossest things I saw was a Philly fan eat horse shit off of the ground <laughs> in the streets. I was like, and I saw that, I think to myself, like, why do you celebrate by eating shit? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you should be celebrating with a nice steak dinner, not some feces, but I, I guess that's how Philly gets down. Exactly. <laughs> wow, that's wild. I did not see that video, and I don't plan on it. But, but tag, <laughs> tag me just in case. I got, I got you. I got okay, cool, cool. Maybe tweet it on our Twitter account. Yeah, I'll retweet it. <laughs> At Couchside Sports with a Z. With a Z, baby. All right, so as for the game, like I said, 41-33 Philly. It was a shootout. Um, I, I thought it was going to be high scoring, but not in the, in the way that it happened. The Patriots had the most total yards ever in a loss of any kind, regular season, postseason, Super Bowl, no matter what it was, most yards ever gained when an NFL team lost a game. So just your reaction from how this all went down. Was it good for the game? Did you enjoy seeing it? Or, or would, would you have rather seen more of a defensive effort? I like the shootout. Shootouts are always fun to watch. I mean, uh, defensive I efforts, you can say, like, you know, they're fun too, but I like the shootout. I like teams putting up points. It seems like literally every time somebody got the ball, like, there was, like, no punts in this game, right? Yeah, I think there was one punt and a couple, like, turnover on downs or turnovers, but one punt. No, I like, yeah, I like the shootout. I like seeing uh, those teams go at it. It was cool. See, I don't mind the high-scoring game. I'm cool. I'm all for touchdowns and and high offense. But the problem was like, it wasn't even contested. Like I want to see people at least have to make good plays on offense to earn the yard. It seemed like 40-yard passes or at least like 20-yard passes, wide-open receivers were just routine. Like you just yeah. expect it by the third quarter. I don't know. I would have liked to see a little bit more tighter defense being played. Yeah. True. Uh, but so as a Patriots fan, I got to say, I'm never down and out. That's that's our motto. Mm-hmm. Brady always leads us back the Messiah. When did Patriots fans like officially lose hope here? Because for me, two minutes to go, I thought it was a wrap. I was like, the Patriots are winning this game. They have oh, yeah. the ball, even though they needed a touchdown. Like we just discussed with the high powered offenses. I was sure it was going to happen. And when who was it? Graham? The yep. offensive end, he forced that fumble, and they recovered. That was the first time I was like, we might lose this game. So how Same. confident were you throughout the game? So I was pretty confident throughout the entire game. Um, that sack, forced fumble was huge. That was like the first um, moment of doubt that I had. Yeah. Um, but then when they held them to a field goal after it, I was like, there's still hope. And my hope stayed alive. Even on fourth and ten, when they were down at their own like ten or five, I was still hopeful. And yeah. you know, 
I lost all my hope when they didn't complete the Hail Mary. Yeah, they were they were close though. They were. First off, Gronk almost had that, but also if that ball falls forward instead of like going behind him, we had Amendola and Dorsett waiting for it to fall into their arms. Oh yeah. That would have been crazy. I know um when they lost the Giants, I think it was in two thousand eleven as well, they had to throw a Hail Mary and Gronk almost got his hands on it to catch that ball, so Yeah, Hail Marys are are like a give or take. I mean, I feel like the only person that ever really gets lucky on those is like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, oh, that's pure skill. <laughs> He's a savage. Talk about elite quarterback. The Eagles, though, to get back to their side of things, they scored on, on two touchdowns that were heavily reviewed. Chris Collinsworth, actually, people think he was rooting for the Patriots because he said both these should have been overturned. First off, we had uh, Corey Clement. He, like, bobbled the touchdown catch, like, going out of bounds. So there's the whole yeah. talk of, like, when did he obtain possession of the ball? Did he get both feet down? I I think the rule, by rule, it's controversial. But you just watch that play happen, you know it's a touchdown. It has to be. Yeah. I, I, I think the Corey Clement one was definitely a touchdown. Um, the only one that I have second guess, guesses on is, like, the Zach Ertz one because, you know, the similar play with Jesse James earlier in the year got overturned. So now, like, if they had stuck with that and overturned the Zach Ertz touchdown, it's okay. So I guess that's what they're rolling with. But now that they have pretty much the same play with two different, even adds more uncertainty to what this rule is. Yeah, and I think they're going to reform it from what I heard in the offseason. Goodell's going to make that a focus. But even this one, this one I also thought would be a touchdown. The difference between this and the Jesse James play you referenced is like Zach Ertz took like three steps. I think by the time he was diving for the end zone, it was no longer the process of securing the catch and, like, surviving the ground. Whereas Jesse James, like, he caught it and was reaching for the end zone simultaneously. So it was Mm -hmm. still, like, part of that quote-unquote process that the NFL refers to it as. But I think the Zach Ertz one, obviously I was rooting for it to be overturned. But just like the Clement one, I feel like you watch that play, subjectively it just has to be a touchdown. Like, that happens in the backyard. You don't think twice about if it's a touchdown, right? Yeah. So. Kind of where I stand on those. Well, also there was, I saw um, on Twitter, there was also like a similar play this year when uh, Rogers like threw Montgomery, and he had the same exact thing where he took a few steps, and when he fell, it did cross the plane, but it was like, ball was maybe I guess close. That was like the only difference, and the fact that he didn't catch it after, but they overturned hit, and they really? didn't call hit the touchdown. Yeah, so it's like really, I feel like it's just, they're just fucking taking names out of hats and shit and figuring out, like, all right, whatever. Uh, heads and tails, is this a touchdown or not? And the person in New York is just flipping the coin. You know, the reason that they didn't overturn this is, I think, because that the refs should be able to celebrate calls. Yep. And the NFL didn't want to see the refs celebrate this one. <laughs> Gene Steratore is about to go out there and hit the doggy after he reverses Zach Ertz's call. And Goodell called him up. He said, boys, don't make me look bad. I don't want to see none of that nonsense. <laughs> and he definitely does it because he hates the Patriots so he was like yo it's not a touchdown they're not winning the Super Bowl exactly and then Doug Peterson man balls I think yeah that was crazy I mean to go for it he went for it on fourth down twice I believe yeah and that's like the only way you're going to beat Brady because Brady threw for over 500 yards in this game which is ridiculous if the Patriots win this game people might 
talking about how it's like his greatest game of all time or one of the greatest games ever played. And instead, I think the biggest factor that changed like the momentum in this one and four was Doug Peterson going for it twice on fourth down, especially fourth and goal. Like I wasn't feeling too confident from the one yard line, but to run that trick play closely, like you gotta be a hundred percent confident that's gonna work. Yeah, and that was that was like the same play that the the pass um, ran on third and five, and Brady had hands of stone and couldn't catch it. And they yeah. had they had run that similar play. Um, I think in a previous Super Bowl, I remember seeing it. Um, but I feel like they might have run that. Um, this is off the top of my. Head. Do you remember this game where they were down two touchdowns? They had like that flea flicker where Edelman threw it deep. They were running a bunch of trick plays. I feel like it may have yeah. been that game. It might have been then. Yeah. It would have been but, in like 2014 or something. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, there are so many things that happened in this game that. It could have been so much closer because you think about it. Eagles, they missed a uh, point after. Yep. The Patriots missed a point after and the field goal. And there was that one time where they went down. What, what, I think they were on like the 40-yard uh, line or something, and they went forward on, first, on fourth down. Yeah, yeah. But they couldn't have kicked uh, I mean, the field that's goal a long, there, could they? That's a, yeah, that's a long, that's, that's a long, whatever. But I just yeah. think that, you know, if they hadn't missed that field goal and – Instead of going for it on fourth down, they tried to pin the Eagles back and just because then they gave they gave Eagles pretty good uh, field position. It's just you know there are so many what ifs. This could happen, that could happen. But Doug Peterson going out there, an savage. He's like, you know what? This is he was he was playing like it's Madden. He's like, bro, this is yeah. Super Bowl. I don't care. Fourth down, fuck it, we're going for it. Yeah, exactly. That's the mentality you have to have because exactly. you're not re- you're not beating Brady any other way. I mean, that's why the Jacksonville Jaguars lost in the AFC Championship game. If Doug Marone put his foot down and said, we're going for it on fourth down or just making more aggressive play calls, I feel yeah. like the Patriots could have been in trouble. But he played it conservatively, and he, he got what he deserved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple other key Patriots factors I just wanted to mention. Uh, you mentioned Guskowski missing the field goal in the point after. Also tough because no punts. No punts on the Patriots side. So the only yeah. thing Ryan Allen did in this game was, like, fumble that snap. Yeah. He's got to be feeling bad about it. Oh, how many times has he done that, you know, all throughout the season? And, I mean, I guess you could say the snap was a little low, but come on, dude. You're on one knee. How can you put yeah. the snap too low? You're down on the ground <laughs> anyway. And I, thought, uh, I would put majority of, you know, the problem on the snapper and the holder. But Guskowski is a professional. 26 yards, you should be able to kick a one-step field goal from there. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sure he the only panicked, thing was, but come on. I, it was also, like, the last adjustment, too. up, And it was, like, kind of still spinning. And then Gostowski was, had to, like, stop and hesitate a little bit. And that slight spin at the end, maybe, I don't know, caught him off guard or something. I'm not sure. But he clanked that, and I was so mad. Yeah, that was, that was really tough. And then the other thing that was brutal to watch in the first quarter was Brandon Cooks getting jacked up at midfield. Oh, yeah. Which, honestly, they had to take him in for concussion protocol. I think he might have already had a concussion because he was running in a 360-degree circle. Oh, yeah. He had like, he, he did he not have his head on the – his head was not on the swivel whatsoever. He was just, like, going out there with blinders on, which you can do in the NFL. But, yeah, you know, him going down, I think, was – some people try to argue and say, you know, Brady's five yards, 
Yeah. You know, B Cooks probably wouldn't have made a difference, but I, I, I beg to disagree. I think Brandon Cooks adds, like, that deep ball, that deep threat, you know, score off a quick, like, 50-yard touchdown dynamic to the Patriots' offense, and I think that if he was still in the game, that would have helped them a lot, even though Brady did pretty much throw for U.S. amounts anyway. Yeah, I'm more of the school of thought that Brady threw for 500 yards. What more could Brandon Cooks have done? But I will say the one spot where we would really have needed him and he may have made a difference was that final drive of the game. No timeouts, exactly. like 58 seconds. Because remember when they lost to the Giants, when they had Randy they were in a very similar situation, and they pretty much just threw a deep ball to Moss four times in a row, and they were very close to completing it. And there's no one on their team done that besides Brandon Cooks. So losing him, I think, hurt them, but really only for that drive. Because the rest of the time, the guys were wide open anyway. Amendola, yeah. Hogue played amazing. So I can't really imagine that he would have made that much of a difference up until that last drive, like I said. But. Yeah, but like, the point I would make in that case is, you know, would have you even that needed to have to do that last drive if Brady Cooks was still in the game? Um, granted, you know, I've, Brady did score like every drive. And stuff like that. I know, I know, I know. But, you know, Maybe one time when they had to kick a field goal or something, you know, Brandon Cooks opens up that offense a little bit more. He has that deep ball, like that deep threat. You know, maybe um, once they realized they were down by a couple of scores, they were like, all right, let's take, it, let's take it deep with B. Cooks, and they score a lot faster than what they did before, and they have more time at the end of the game. You never know. Maybe. I mean, that's, that's a little too many hypotheticals for me, but I will say one thing. One man that I do think made a difference in this game was Malcolm Butler not getting a single snap on defense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Belichick got a little cocky, honestly. Mm-hmm. He, he always makes these, like, abstract <laughs> and they always seem to pay off. But a lot of times I think he gets away with them more just because his team is so good and Brady can hide some, like, obviously he's a great coach. I'm not saying he's not. But he makes some bold strategies sometimes, like when he shipped Jamie Collins away to, to the Cleveland Browns. Like, I feel like of an ego play than anything else. Yeah. And I think Malcolm Butler might have been the same thing, and only difference he doesn't doesn't get away with it here. Yeah. Because you can't imagine that Malcolm Butler could not have made the Patriots defense any worse. Impossible. I mean they were getting floored out there. They were getting rolled over. So Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he would have made a difference. Maybe not enough to win the game, but I would have felt much more confident with him out there. And you know, you look at it and one thing I thought they should have done straight from the beginning was have Stephon Gilmore shadow Alshon Jeffrey just because, you know, he's kind of a bigger receiver. They also, like, went to school together. They're familiar with each other. They're probably familiar with, you know, the style of play of each other. But, you know, one Malcolm Butler not playing was Eric Rowe got burned a yeah, lot. Yeah, he did. Yep. And I remember when I was watching the game, one of my friends, he's an Eagles fan. We were watching it together, and he goes, you know, Watch out for Eric Rowe. He's going to get burned because he used to get burned in Philly. And then Philly knows that. Yeah. And they went at Eric Rowe, and, and he got burned a lot. He gave up a few touchdowns. Um, you know, I, I, you don't know. We don't know what Butler did. You know, we have we really heard rumors that, you know, he was either, like, trying to sneak weed onto the plane or something like that, <laughs> missed curfew, whatever. Savage. You know, I, I don't care because it's a Super Bowl. You know, bench him for the start, but at least put him in the game at, at some point. Exactly. And this man literally only played special teams. You know, sit him for the first quarter, then put him out there because it's an ego. You know, 
Yeah, exactly like you said. They are getting burned, and Malcolm Butler is going out there. He can't do any worse than that than what they are doing. So. And one thing I'll say about Eric Rowe getting beat, uh, this brings us to our Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles. Eric Rowe did get beat, but Nick Foles balls on them. Oh, he was. The, the first touchdown he threw to Alshon Jeffrey, I don't think there's a defensive back in the league who could have made that play. Yeah. That was pinpoint accuracy. He did the same thing against the Vikings. Uh, he comes out with 375 yards, three touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown. Only one interception really wasn't his fault at all. His guy basically caught it and got the ball knocked loose. Yeah. I mean, he balled out. He deserved MVP. Uh, but that kind of brings us to, I don't want to call it a quarterback controversy in Philly because obviously everyone knows the direction they have to go. But this is just a strange situation for them now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, if I'm Doug Peterson, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about, obviously Carson Wentz is your quarterback. No you know, he's, he's the franchise. And hold on to him, obviously. Nick Foles, you signed to a two-year, $11 million deal before this season. So, I'm going to ride it out. Ride it out. But get nothing for him. Not necessarily. How? Um, just leaving free agency. That's if you don't trade him during the season next year. Okay, that's, that's where I – okay. I thought you meant ride it out, like ride it out until his contract is up. No, I'm saying hold on to him through this offseason. Um, obviously, you might be able to get a little bit more because he has the whole year, but I would say hold on to him and then see where you're at. If you're confident that Carson Wentz can stay healthy and that he's going to be playing well, trade him at the trade deadline next year. You know, maybe you get a team that is looking to sign to an extension so they'll give up some, a little bit more. But I'm not ready to move on from Nick Foles. You never know what happens. You know, Carson Wentz tore his ACL. That, that can be tough to come back from. I want to hold on to him at least to start the season where your offense is. I wouldn't make any moves, um, any quick decisions this offseason. I w- I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. I'm, I'm selling it like it's hot. You've never seen his market value higher than it is right now. The only thing that can happen if healthy year and Foles has to start, he can't go up. Can't. The only place he can go is down. So I'm trying to get rid of him tomorrow. I'm tra- probably trying to get a first-round pick and maybe just whoever that, that team's shitty back. I'll take that and get rid of Nick Foles today because, like I said, his value can't go up. It just can't. And there's a lot of teams out there that need a quarterback, and they're willing to pay up because not everyone's sitting there like, oh, we'll get him in free agency the following year because he could go anywhere. In that case, he can pick and choose. You offer the Eagles you know, an unmatchable deal, they have to take it, and you potentially have your quarterback for the future. So. Yeah. I'd be trying to get rid of Foles immediately. The only thing is, is you know, Jimmy G got a second year, uh, a second round pick. Do you think that Nick Foles is worth more than Jimmy G? I think right now there's teams who would be willing to give up a first round pick for him. Yeah. All right. Well, if I'm offered a first rounder, then I might do it. But if I'm offered like a third rounder, I'm a third, third to sixth round. Those picks like aren't really that much different. So yeah. If I can get a for him, I'll do it. Anything below first round, I would hold on to him. Just because you right. need that insurance policy, especially when Wentz is coming off of a torn ACL. That's a huge injury. You know, you want to have a little, like, he brought you to the Super Bowl, man. I don't want to hold on to him. <laughs> so I'm going to throw another hypothetical at you then. Say Wentz can't go first half of next season. Nick Foles comes out the gate. They go like 4-1 and one or 5-0 and oh with Foles. 
and he's looking good, do you bench him to bring Wentz back? No, that's why I trade him. Ha, <laughs> ah, okay. That's that's a cheap loophole right there. How? Yeah, just value trade him. So, <laughs> so you you definitely, I mean, you'd have to bench him. You can't just trade him in a, a day's notice. Yeah, I mean, I'll bench him. I'll bench him. Let Wes play, and then All right, so in the would. meantime, you I'll trade Cole. Right? What are you saying? Carson Wentz is the future. Than hot. Carson Wentz is the future, man. You know, Nick Foles is. Oh, there's 40 touchdown passes in the first eight games. You trade him? Trade him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. It's not the wrong choice. It, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you got Carson Wentz. So the man's a savage. Could have won MVP this year if he didn't. He just learned how to slide. Yeah, you know? that's true, that's true. Better, younger, cheaper. Yeah, he, he looks just like a Brit. Like a what? He's like a doppelganger, like Prince. Uh, oh, okay, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was out of left field right there. Uh, let's, let's circle back to the Super Bowl, though. Talk about what everyone wants to hear, what everybody wants to talk about. Best Super Bowl commercials. Um... I think my favorite ones were the Tide ones because those were just, yes. like, so cool. Like, especially, like, the one where they had, like, the Old Spice guy and they're like, no, nah, the taxi. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, they're, they're, they, they, they knocked Yeah, they knew Mr. Clean. They did a great job. Um, the Mountain Dew and the, and the Doritos one was cool with, uh, you know, Tyrion, the little imp from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, Peter Dinklage. Rabin, yeah, Peter Dinklage and Morgan Freeman. That was cool, too. Yeah, my favorite um, part about that one was because uh, Peter, the, the small dude came with that Busta Rhymes verse, which yeah. is like some of the hardest, like fastest stuff you can spit. And then for a second, I thought Morgan Freeman would like try to one up him, and he completely changed the vibe and went Missy Elliott, and it was perfect. So <laughs> exactly. that one's definitely nice, the top man. three. They're opposite. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I also got that uh, the Amazon commercial. That was a good one too. That one I saw a few days before the Super Bowl. Oh, really? Um, yeah, but it, it was a good commercial. Too. All right, we'll throw it out then. You got to hold that. Play the cards close. Can't be letting that leak three days early. <laughs> and then we got to talk about the Eli Manning Giants commercial. Yeah, I don't like it. You don't like it? No, I thought it was a great commercial, but I just hate how they're like, the Giants yeah. are trying to stay relevant. Like, just Okay, well, shut up. it was the NFL that made the commercial. Yeah, it's true. That's true. What what, what have you seen in the past five days that was hotter than an Eli Manning hip thrust? <laughs> Nothing. I can't say I've seen anything. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, Eli Manning getting out there doing his thing. He always comes up like inferior to Peyton Manning in commercials, and he alpha'd him on Sunday. <laughs> so I was a, I was a huge fan of that one. Although I will say, the last time we see Eli in a Giants jersey. Hundred percent, and I do like that Odell played the uh, part of the female because he is a hundred percent a diva. So. Ooh, breaking news! It isn't news. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, what we'll dive right into next, I guess. I guess so. Uh, I got some easy textbook breaking news. Ooh. This weeks ago, but Matt Patricia officially heading to Detroit Lions next head coach. And Josh McDaniels officially going to the Colts as their next coach. This is the definition of breaking news isn't news because everybody knew this. You can just sweep this under the rug. The only reason that this didn't come out earlier 
is because you can't officially sign anyone to a contract when their season is still continuing. Obviously, if, if you're the Patriots or you work for the Patriots, that means you can't take another job till mid-February pretty much every year. So, yeah. breaking news isn't news. <laughs> um, my breaking news is news. I'm going to keep it uh, Patriot-related. Uh, this just came out that, uh, I guess, during the Super Bowl, I'm not sure if it happened during the actual game, um, but during the Super Bowl, Rob Gronkowski's house was broken into and some safes were stolen and breaking news the news, some guns were stolen too. I'm, I'm calling this breaking news the news just because we've had a history of tight ends with the Patriots. Um, I really hope that Gronk's not using them the same way and Hernandez was. I really doubt it. I think Gronk just has them because he's a bro and probably thinks they're cool and wants to protect his, his family and stuff. I don't think he's out there gangbanging. Nah. No. Uh, <laughs> we hope. So, Let's not implicate the man. No, no, he's not getting made. Never, Sorry. No, no. come on. Never, never, never getting made. But, you know, it's pretty good. There's a lot of athletes, a lot of professional athletes have guns and stuff like that. You know, they got nice houses, they got nice possessions. They need to protect it. They want to protect themselves. You know, when you're famous like that, you never know what's going to happen to you. You know, I'm not really worried about someone breaking into my house and stealing stuff. Like, what are they going to steal? Like, my 32-inch TV? Like, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, these rich people got to watch out for themselves. And, you know. Brock's having a good time with the Super Bowl, but has to come home and deal with that. It's whatever. Uh, yeah. Well, breaking news, apparently uh, Mike Burke's a big fan of the Second Amendment. I mean, not really, actually. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. We won't go we into don't that. Talk, we don't talk politics. Yeah, we don't talk politics. Right, that's right. Well, I don't need it. Yeah, we don't talk politics. Yeah, true. I forgot. I almost forgot. I, you almost got me slipping. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> all right, so breaking news isn't news. Patriots tight ends are very gun gun friendly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we also got some huge who got finessed moves. Uh, one in the NFL because not every franchise can make it to the Super Bowl. Probably going to be the biggest move of the offseason if I had to guess. Uh, Alex Smith going to the Redskins out of pretty much nowhere. We knew he was kind of on the trading block. I didn't think anyone anything would happen quite this soon. But the Chiefs have officially traded him to the Redskins for cornerback Kendall Fuller in a 2018 third-round pick. So didn't have to give up a whole lot if you're Washington. And they immediately signed Alex Smith to a four-year deal. Looks like the Kirk Cousins era is over. Uh, what do you make of this? This is tough because Kendall Fuller is a great corner. He had a great year. He's young. He's his prime yet. He, it's tough to give him up. Also, 2018 third-round pick. You can get a really good quarterback in the third round. Ask the Patriots. You can even do it in the sixth <laughs> round. Sure. So, yeah, okay. I don't think that we can actually perfectly analyze this trade until we find out what happens with Kirk Cousins. Because I if Cousins gets franchise tagged and Washington flips him for something in return, then we can analyze what they got back. You know, they got Alex Smith and also what they got in that Kirk Cousins deal. But if Cousins just leaves, they don't get anything for him, and they end up getting Alex Smith or Kendall Fuller in that third-round pick, I think that uh, Washington loses that. No way. I think so. I don't but, think But their other option is they have no quarterback. No, franchise tag Kirk Cousins again. <laughs> but, but then you're, you're just delaying the process at that point, though. Because a year down the road, same thing, who your quarterback is. You might have to franchise tag him. You're going to have to pay a huge sum of money. 
or he's going to leave in free agency. And then you just delay the process by one year. This way they locked up that they have a starter, a very good starter for four years. Yeah, but is he going to be good for all four of those years? Alex Smith is not, you know, young chicken over here. Man. He's kind of old. <laughs> I mean, he, what has he proven? What has he proven in his NFL career? He hasn't proven he's, anything to me. He's proven, he he's proven that he can win 10 games a year and get you to the playoffs pretty much every year. And get you to the playoffs and then lose first round. <laughs> yeah, but come on. This is, this is such a cliche argument that, like, oh, he's not going to win you a Super Bowl. Like, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that win Super Bowls. Where well, Nick Foles he's your best did. chance. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Nick Foles is – he's poking a hole right in my, my theory here. But unless you're like Tom, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, I mean, who else is going out there and winning Super Bowls? Eli. Eli. Defense. I'll have none of that. <laughs> I will have none of that. But still, like, Al, I, by the way, I would argue that Alex Smith is on Eli's level or close to it. I, I would say Alex yeah. Eli right now. Well, cur- <laughs> currently, no doubt. Currently, no doubt. But I'm talking yeah. like in their prime, like when Eli was winning the Super Bowls. But okay. it's quarterback Alex Smith gets so underrated because everyone's like, oh, all you're going to do is like maybe get to the conference championships at best. Like, that's no slouch of a season. I mean, you I guess me? I'm blessed because I'm, I'm a Patriots fan. Absolutely. And yeah. any, anything is Super Bowl or bust. But yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's okay. I think Just there's better at- options than Alex Smith. Okay, but look at the Bills. They went crazy when their team, all they did was make the playoffs. They played horrible in the playoffs. They didn't care. It was like the greatest season that half fans have ever seen in their lives. True. So I just think locking up a quarterback that you know and is proven to get you to the playoffs is much more important and much more valuable facing this Kirk Cousins question mark every single offseason. That's true. I just want to throw in something that might be a little about. Um, Field, but okay, go. For Alex it. Smith is Alex Smith is uh somehow tied. I, I wonder if he's got like some sort of um like Native American blood because he went from the Chiefs to the Redskins. <laughs> <laughs> this man. Well, what about the Forty ers similar similar time. <laughs> no, no, not even close. Forty <laughs> ers comes from what? Like, you know, the Gold Rush. Yeah, exactly. They're Native Americans around then. No. <laughs> what are you talking about? There still are. There's yeah, I know there still are, but it wasn't like they were, like, they were still, as, actually, I can't say this as facts. I don't know. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure they've had their, like, preservations and stuff, but they weren't, like. Their reservations? Yeah, my bad. Reservations. <laughs> but they weren't, like, free people, like, running around like they were in, like, the 1700s when they were, like, respect. You then. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah, I know. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Don't worry. The Americans, <laughs> the Americans screwed over the Native Americans far before 1949. <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah. Breaking news is news, but uh, the U.S. has not treated the Native Americans too well. The, the U.S. has not treated anybody that's not white pretty, pretty well, <laughs> to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I guess, I guess I can't argue with you on that one. But we don't talk politics. Yeah, we don't talk politics, though, so. We'll cut oh, that no. No, I think that it was a decent move for the Redskins. I think that, you know, giving him Kendall Fuller is tough. And I feel like Alex Smith, he's a good option. He's better than some. But I feel like he's not going to get them to where they want. He's not going to get them to a Super Bowl. And that should be. Probably not. But I, that should I be mean, the move you make. Been. should be getting you to the Super Bowl. Okay. I keep coming back to this. 
But I got to throw one more point at you. Halfway right. halfway through last season, like eight, nine, like people thought Alex Smith could get them to a Super Bowl. True. So was, you can't just base yeah. everything on on the final result. You know what I mean? It's just True. it's very rare. Like you said, we're we're spoiled since Tom Brady came making the playoffs and winning Super Bowls, and he hasn't stopped in like 20 years. So we're spoiled. But other franchises would kill to have a quarterback that consistently gets them to the playoffs. That's but, true. All right, so we got to move on. I'm at like a seven on the finesse meter in, in Washington's favor. I'm a fan of that trade. Apparently we're, okay. we're split on that one. Uh, but we gotta, right, I'm, I'm at 50-55. I'm at five out just because I got to see what happens. Okay, that's fair. I do, I do like that point. If they get something in return for Cousins, that really adds to their haul. Exactly. Okay, now we got to switch over to the NBA. And it's been a really tough week because I saw the Patriots lose the Super Bowl. And my NBA team, the Clippers, away superstar Griffin, also Willie Reed and Bryce Johnson, but they're irrelevant, traded him away to the Detroit Pistons for Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, Boban Marjanovic, and a 2018 first-rounder. This hurt, man. The Clippers are finally moving on from the Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin era. And I'll tell you, in the offseason, when, when Chris Paul left, he was my guy. But it still felt like the Clippers were intact. It still felt like they were competing. For whatever reason, when Blake Griffin left, it was like I didn't know who the Clippers were anymore. Like yeah. I, I never realized how much Blake Griffin was the Clippers more than anyone else. Yeah. So... This is a huge move for their franchise because he's the best player they've ever had. I, sure. I think Chris Paul is better, but talking about for the Clippers, I mean, he's the greatest that's done it for, for the Clippers. So, I don't know. It, it hurts. Apparently, they're moving on. I don't know if it's a full tank. Um, and we'll see what happens with Detroit. Does it, do you think this makes the Pistons? Cause I, don't. I don't think it makes the Pistons a contender, but I do like this trade bridge just because. So, Avery Bradley's on an expiring deal. You're not going to bring him back. And he was playing like trash this year. Yeah, he hasn't playing. He hasn't been playing that well. Marjanovic is just a throwing. Um, Tobias, Tobias is good. Debatably, uh, was like, their best player. He's the best player going from Detroit in that because the best player in the deal is Griffin. I do like this um, trade to Detroit though because you know that Blake Griffin's going to sell tickets, and that's what Detroit needs to do right now. They're not going to compete for. Uh, a you really think they care soon. about selling tickets? Uh, yeah, I 100% think they care about selling tickets. That's revenue. They got to hold these but they got to christen and everything. They got to make some money, man. Okay, Blake well, they going to put asses in those seats. Yeah, they also just picked up his enormous contract. Yeah, so if you got rid of Avery, Tobias, and Marganovich, it doesn't really matter. They kind of offset. You can't do a trade unless the, the set is Yeah, but they, they don't offset in the future. They didn't have thirty million a year tied up in Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley for the next four seasons. Yeah, true. But Blake Griffin brings something to that team, and also does does that mean they're contender now? No, but in the future they could make to make them a contender. Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond is one of the best uh, front courts in the league right now. To but be honest, especially now with Demarcus Cousins down. Exactly, they're like the Pelicans, is, but. They're like the Pelicans light. Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins are a full tier ahead of the Drummond-Blake duo. 
and both teams are similar. They don't have any good wings, and they don't have any good guards. I wouldn't say they don't have any good, because Detroit, you know, this is, this is what they're doing there. They get rid of Tobias Navy, who are, are roadblocks for their young guys like Stanley Johnson. Now Stanley Johnson gets to play. They get to see what they have from Reggie Bullock. They get to, you know, see. Reggie Bullock was on the Clippers for three years. He's nothing special. How much did he play on the Clippers? A decent amount. Decent amount, but now he's starting in Detroit. Yeah, that's a problem. They don't have they don't have Reggie Jackson right now, so you know when he comes back, he's a good distributor. Yeah, I'll give you him. He needs to stop shooting so much because he's honestly trash at shooting. But I still like to trade for them. I think that it wasn't like really a finesse. I think what the Clippers are doing is what I thought they were going to do. Um, I know I. I stick by the fact that they're not going to they're not going to make the playoffs, obviously, because now they're going to get rid of probably DeAndre Jordan as well, and just totally rebuild. I think they're going to get rid of him at some point too. So. Yeah, they probably will get rid of both those guys. I still think they have a chance to make the playoffs, just because I, I can't remember if I said this on past episodes, but they remind me a lot currently of the Miami Heat, a bunch of guys who aren't going to be all stars, but they're going to go out there. And kill for their coach. Yeah, the Miami Heat—they have an all. They do now have an all-star in <laughs> He's not an all-star in the traditional. He hasn't made it in the past. I'll go out on a, a very short limb and say he'll never make it in the future. Ooh. And uh, I think that's the Clippers had a bunch of guys who no one seems to believe in. Tobias Harris has played well everywhere he's gone, and he's just been kicked to the side for all those teams. So he has. Nothing to prove, nothing to lose. Avery Bradley's been on three different teams now in like four months. They've got a bunch of guys that no one seems to believe in. Patrick Beverly as well. And my biggest thing with this trade is the Clippers front office never gave this team a chance because they were never healthy. Gallinari was in and out. DeAndre Jordan in and out. Blake Griffin in and out. Taya Dosich, Austin Rivers. The list goes on and on. And I understand that eventually injuries are a part of why you have to make the decision to move on from Blake. But at least just give this team one season. Give them a chance. Because even with all those injuries, they were right there for the eight seed. And they yeah, could have... but the eight seed can they compete for a championship. But I think if they were healthy, they could be like the Blazers, where they float up near that six seed. And who knows? L.A.'s a good market. Obviously, everyone wants to go play for the Lakers. But I could see them drawing free agents as well. In Detroit, you're not going to do that. Detroit just locked up all their money in Blake Griffin, who is a is a great player, but by 2022 he's not going to be all that. I don't think. They well, don't see, now this is what you this is what you have to think of too. The fact that the Clippers are getting rid of Blake's money, um, they could probably get rid of DeAndre's money. Don't you think that this means that they're and they've that they're going to make a run at LeBron James? And now the Lakers just came out and said that they're going to focus on the 2019 free agent class. So. What are LeBron's options? San Antonio, go back to Cleveland. The Clippers present a pretty good opportunity for him. You go to the West Coast, they have the money for him. They also have the money to bring another all-star because you know LeBron's not going to have another all-star. By getting rid of Blake's huge contract and eventually DeAndre's, you can afford two all-stars. You can can even bring in a Paul George. He's going to leave it OKC, but you never know what can happen. I would love to see LeBron come to the Clippers. There's no doubt about that. He's the best player in the world. Of course, and you, and you get rid of Doc because Doc is a problem there. You get rid of Doc, I don't, and I don't who knows, so. maybe CP3 wants to come back. 
Doc was a, a general manager problem, a president of operations problem. Coach, I think he's just fine. We've got Jerry West. No, he has done a great coaching job. I'm saying, though, if you want to bring CP3 back or another all-star in that line, you have to get rid of Doc because CP3 is back to play for Doc. Oh, CP3 is not going back to the Clippers. He can't now. I mean, you know, he, after this, at the end of this um, year, he can ages. So. I know. But he could resign no with Houston, way. but you never know. No way he goes back to the Clippers. If he does, I'd be all for it. But you're throwing some glorious hypotheticals at me that I I just don't think are realistic. <laughs> I mean, I'm for a big one at some free agents this offseason, and the way things have gone, we can't really rule anything out. Yeah, and by the way, just to clarify, I think the Clippers did win this trade. I'm just also upset that they didn't give the team a chance. Okay. I mean, if if they were gonna move on from Blake, this is absolutely the way to do it, and I think they got a a great return, but. I just didn't want to see him leave, and I, I think they should have given the team a chance. That's, that's what I have to say about that. So we have um, greatness. We've done this oh, past, yeah. past few episodes here. Um, today is, like I said, February 6th. This is episode 27, and what we've been doing is uh, we, we shout out, recognize some of the greatest athletes to wear the jersey number of the episode that Couchside Sports is on. So we got number 27 today. Uh, greatest athletes. I didn't find a whole lot of guys, but you want to throw some names at me? Sure. Uh, one of the first ones I think of is a guy playing right now. Uh, probably the best player in baseball Mike right fish? now. Mike, some sort of fish. I'm not sure if he's a Mike Salmon. No, that doesn't sound right. Um, Mike, Mike, Mike Mariner. Mike Mariner? Uh, I don't know. That doesn't sound right to me. It didn't roll off the tongue. It, I like it. <laughs> I think they should just hire him to be the mascot in Seattle. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he would give up his current gig. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Center field for the mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Mike Trout was one of the ones. And then keeping in baseball, the other one that I want to talk about was the man, Vladimir Guerrero. Ooh, okay. The man's a savage, going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. Um. Big Montreal Expos guy? Yeah, big bring it back to the Angels too, you know. Uh, but he was he was an absolute savage. He's had some huge dingers. Also his son, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a prospect. He's an absolute savage. Look for him to be coming up pretty soon. Ooh, word. Um plays third base, but Vladimir Guerrero is one of those guys that you gotta you gotta nod your head to because this guy I saw a video of him. He was standing behind the foul line along third base. There's probably, you know, half a line, like, not all the way down to the fence, but, like, in between the middle of the outfield. And on the other side of the uh, foul line, and threw a absolute bomb into the stands <laughs> in right field. Like, by the How the hell can you do that? Yeah. Because arm strength was ridiculous. Used to gun people out all the time. Uh, absolute stab. Shout out Vladimir Guerrero. Yeah, he was... I didn't watch a lot of baseball, but I'll tell you what. MLB 06, he was my number one draft pick every time. <laughs> and keeping with the uh, the video game side of things, Eddie George, also a, a famous number 27, running back, yep. uh, famously played for the Tennessee Titans, almost won a ring, but uh, came up just short. And he was a beast on Madden as well. I hate to, to you know do these recognized greatness things off video games, but... 
he won me <laughs> a lot of games, and I loved playing with Eddie George. I didn't get to see him a whole lot in the NFL, uh, but he was a great running back, and like I said, almost made the Titans a Super Bowl winning team. So shout out Eddie George, recognize some greatness. And I believe, uh, did Carlton Fisk rock the old 27 as well? He did. did. See, I thought he was a Red Sox guy. He's absolutely one of the, one of the Red Sox greats, but Mike Trout's rather better than Carlton Fisk. I'm sorry. I'm biased okay. for the Red Sox, and, but he was he, And Fisk he's brings not. some bad memories for Red Sox fans, if I'm correct. A lot of times, yeah. I mean, he has some good, good memories when he hit that home run over the monster and left and kind of waved it back into the but that was also the times when they kind of got gypped in the World Series, so yeah. we don't talk about it. Yeah, just like politics, we don't talk about it. <laughs> and one thing I want to mention real quick, uh, not the number 27, but RIP Rasul Butler. Yeah. Um, NBA, NBA player. He was only like 42, I think. Uh, him and his wife both uh, passed away in a car. Was it this either this weekend or, or uh, like late last week? Yeah. Um, and apparently he was he was a great guy. He played on a lot of teams, and a lot of guys were saying he was like a phenomenal teammate. Never like a superstar by any means, but like mm-hmm. a great locker room guy and and a, and a good person. So, R.I.P. Rasul. R.I.P. in peace. So that pretty much wraps up uh, our episode today for Couchside Sports. And as some of you have heard. This is going to be our last one for quite a while. Uh, we're not going to be back until late spring, early summer, probably at the earliest. So taking a little hiatus, uh, but we had mm-hmm. to do it, right? Yeah, we got it. we had to go on strike because our uh, collective bargaining agreement with uh, WA2S uh, came up. We're trying to make a new one, uh, but they're just not giving us the things that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, even little things like. You know, I requested to have Reese's Peanut Butter Cups in the studio for me before we record, <laughs> and they said no to that. I'm using the studio, I might have a peanut allergy. Yeah. And I was like, come on. He's I'm gonna, not going to eat them everywhere. all and throw them away. It's not a big exactly. deal. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, we got to hash some things out. You know, I actually have to be on the phone with my agent after this recording is done. Yeah. Well, we'll let you guys know when we're going to be back. We expect it sometime around May, though, just because. You know, I need to get. I need to record. This is this is what I do to support my myself and my family. So we'll figure something out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Migos, I think, taught us best. You got to secure the bag first. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, word to the Migos for teaching us some life lessons. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, we, we will be gone for a couple months. If you want to listen to past episodes, of course, you can check those out on whus.org/talk, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts. We will stay active on Twitter. We'll try to live tweet some games and uh, give some of our takes via that platform, but we will be off the airwaves uh, for a little bit here. So, and uh, just so you know, we're going we're gonna to come back with some bank. Uh, I will be in oh, studio, yeah. so you have to listen to me over this shitty um, phone quality anymore. Yep. So to get that, you'll get that crisp Michael Burke voice. Don't worry, the ad-libs will be on point. Yeah, I've been um, missing those. Just be ready. Just be ready. Yeah, just stay prepared. <laughs> Do your job. Exactly. So we'll, we'll take it out for uh, the last time of Couchside Season 1 here. You know what it is. Couchside Sports, bringing you our perspectives on sports from the comforts of our couches. As it should be. The way it should be. So All your right. co-host, Kyle French, signing off. Michael Berg, signing off. And we will not see you next week. <laughs> it's, it's not It's not goodbye. It's uh, What do they say? What's the phrase? 
It's, a, it's a, not a goodbye. It's a see you later. Yes, exactly. So thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.